so the Anvil Challenge is also is a competition, but it's also what I would consider a, a team and leadership building uh, session. So are, are there some other team or leadership building stuff that you guys do? You know, uh, and again, I'm not going to knock anybody. You know, a lot of guys will take retreats or take their guys camping or build some s'mores or something like that around a campfire. Uh, my guys hang out with each other all the time. You see one of my guys, you see 10 of them. Their bond is tight. And we help with that bond and we help build that bond. But those guys are doing it on their own because they know we're going to be with each other every day, every school day, weekend, hotels, buses, dugout, uh, weight room. They're going to be with each other a lot. So as far as team building stuff, you know, it's just plain old sweat equity. Uh, I want that guy that sweats with me, you know, in the weight room. I want that guy that sweats with me in the cage in the summertime uh, when it's 95 degrees and, you know, it, we're just getting after it. We can barely hold a bat because it's so slick because we're just, we're drenched. And so we do a lot of, uh, I call it sweat equity stuff. We, you know, we're just going to, we're going to build this thing together. As far as leadership building, uh, I'm constantly amazed. Um, Rich Froning, who's the CrossFit fittest man on the planet four-time fittest man on the planet. 10, 12 years ago, he was my second baseman. He was just a mentally tough kid. We used to, we used to elect captains at the beginning of the year. And, man, he, he was physically strong. He was mentally strong. He was emotionally strong human being. He was just different. And he came to me about 10 games into the season. He said, Coach, can I talk to you? He shut the door to the office, and I said, What's up, Rich? And he goes, This is hard. I said, What are you talking about? He said, being captain's hard. He said, I'm putting out fires here and there. And I was like, it hit me. You know, as a young, younger coach, I was like, oh my gosh, here's one of my best players. And I'm breaking him down just because I hung a C on him. So now what we do is we have a little ceremony and everybody's sworn in as the captain at the beginning of the year. And at the end of the year, when we're voting on all our awards at the banquet, we vote for the two permanent captains who get their name on the plaque. The guys that showed the best leadership, who did the best job of keeping uh, all our standards enforced and took charge of the locker room and made sure that uh, it was a drama, drama-free environment. So, you know, we don't, we don't coach up leaders. We kind of let it naturally evolve, which kind of goes against, I guess, what everybody else does, but it seems to work for us. Oh, and, and during this stuff, I think that you find out that your leaders emerge whenever uh, whenever you guys do this sweat equity stuff. No doubt. I don't think you can force leadership. If, and, you know, if a kid, you know, I've heard coaches say this, and I totally disagree with it, and I, I know I'm stepping on friends' toes, but he, he's a, he, he leads by example or he leads by his actions. Now, your leader's got to be that guy that'll say it. He's got to be that guy that can get on a high, he's a high school kid that gets on a high school kid's level and he tells it like it is. And we had a kid, we weren't sure he was, he was third, fourth string catcher. We tried to make a first baseman out of him, really didn't, wasn't working out, but he had a pretty good arm and he, he just happened to go, Hey coach, can I throw a bullpen? And we were like, yeah, it was the end of a, you know, it was an end of a January bullpen. We were like, jump up there. And he kind of has a little funk about him. But he's got a pretty good fastball. He keeps it on the knees, and he can spin a breaking ball. And I was like, holy cow. So we used that guy out of the bullpen. And so he's, he was in the dugout for one of our first games. And 
we had a pretty talented freshman that uh, got quite a few at bats this year, which is really rare uh, around here. And he got some at bats, and he hit a ball in the gap and kind of watched it and loafed down the line a little bit and got thrown out at second. When he got back to the dugout, I didn't realize it because I was over at third and we were in the first base dugout. After the game, my coaches, they were fired up. And I was like, what is up, guys? We just lost that game. What's up? And they were like, you should have heard, you know, when they said the player's name, you should have heard him get on the freshman about loafing out of the box. It was awesome. And I was like, that's the kind of leadership I want. I want a guy that can get on another high school kid they don't break into a fight. It's a learning experience. And that freshman, he right then understood, hey, it's about us. And these guys care for me, and they want what's best for me. And I did wrong. He came up and apologized to me afterward and said, Coach, I was wrong. But I was set straight, and uh, that will never happen again. And I thought that's, that was one of the coolest leadership moments you know, I've had in my coaching career. So you mentioned that the leader has to hold uphold some standards. Can you you mind sharing what those standards are? Well, you know, as a young coach, when I first started out 30 years ago, I did what a lot of coaches do. I had too much time with the typewriter and the computer, and uh, I made up a list of rules, and my rules were long. And my first year, I got backed into a corner by my own rules, and I was like, wow, that'll never happen again. So I took out like 20 of the rules. Well, that still left me with 20 rules. And over time, what I found out, we kind of got this from Coach Corbin at Vanderbilt. We really don't have rules. We have standards that you need to live up to. You know, the standards, they're not many, but we enforce them. And, you know, be on time. If you're not on time, that's, that's a major problem. Behave like a gentleman. Play against the game. Show the other team respect. Don't talk to the other team. Just play the game. You're out there by yourself. That other squad's just, they're giving you somebody to practice against. So we kind of take that approach. And when I started hacking out some of the rules, uh, it kind of freed me up. And it freed me up to, if I wanted to make a hard decision, I can make a hard decision. If it wasn't that big of a deal, I wasn't hemmed in. If a kid got his cell phone, take it up in class, uh, I could listen to him, hear his side of it. And, you know, I could make a judgment based on both sides. Instead of, hey, cell phone gets taken up, you got five miles on the track. I didn't like that because kids were coming to me going, Coach, my cell phone fell out of my pocket. And another player saying, Coach, it fell out of his pocket, you know, and it was taken up. And I I didn't like that I had to punish that kid because he didn't mean for it to happen. It just happened. So by having the standards uh, instead of, you know, a lot of rules, I think uh, as a coach, it allows me to to show them, hey, I'm on your side, but you may have done wrong. Uh, I'm going to have to give you a little punishment. What do you think I should do to you? And, you know, there's that give and take, and it, it builds that, that family team environment, I think. Definitely. And just as you were saying that, I was reminded of a quote that I, I can't for the life of me remember who said it, but and you have to treat kids like, not quite like investments, but they are investing. And so you've got a kid who has done everything right for four years and might get in trouble. Well, if you have a set rule and 
you know, it might not be fair for him because it's the first time he's ever gotten in trouble versus the, you know, maybe the freshman kid who's in trouble all the time who has the exact same punishment. So I always, I always thought that was that was really telling. I, what are your thoughts about that? I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, I didn't become a coach to punish kids. I came became a coach because I wanted a guide. And I love the game, and I want guys that love the game, and I want guys that respect, you know, what we're doing and respect each other. Uh, you know, we have a lot of give and take. I, you know, heck, I allow my, uh, I allow my players to help guide me, you know, and, hey, what are we doing well? What do we need to work on? How do you think it's going? What's the mood of the team? Uh, do we need a day off here? You know, what's going on? And I think, you know, I hear coaches talk about building relationships, and then they run out a list of 50 rules. Well, you know, it, it comes back to trust. Uh, my players trust me, and they trust what we're doing. And I like to show faith and trust in my players, and I like their input because, hey, they've got an investment in this also. And uh, I just – I always go, you know, wow, I've got to be firm but fair, but I'd like to be that coach I want to play for. You know, some of the best compliments I've ever had in my life where other coaches will go, man, I'd love to play for you. And, you know, I'm like, Wow. You know, I really appreciate that. With that said, I can shoot a look across the room and just paralyze a junior third baseman if I need to. Uh, I could see that for sure. 